This is a story by Lynn Melnick called The Luckiest Milf in Brooklyn. Come here, milf tits. Sweet tits, hot tits, sugar tits. Oh, hi. Here I am. Milf tits. Still valid, I guess. Still viable. Milfy, but tits all the same. I've been a D-cup since 7th grade, so my breasts have been up for public conversation almost as long as I can remember, along with the rest of me, especially my ass, the way I walk, and how viable a fuck I am to passers-by. Do I want to smoke a joint in your car? No thanks. Why aren't I smiling? I've been having night terrors again, thanks for asking. You'd like to rub your dick all over my ass? Thanks for letting me know. I'm standing on the corner of my block, my home turf, in front of the public library with my younger daughter, not yet four, who's holding an Olivia book and her stuffed cat. It's quiet. It's one of those days that looks like fall but feels like summer. The leaves whip around as traffic flows, but my daughter and I wear open-toed shoes. I'm in a sundress. Come, listen to me talk about why it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. Why it's hot out, and I shouldn't have to cover up. Why it's not on me, it's on them. I talk a good game. I know the language and the reasoning. I'm tough, I'm badass, I'm right. And I blame myself. The dress could have shown less cleavage. Come here, milf tits, calls a man out a car window. I want to fuck you sideways. I look down and away. I have a fearful history. I flinch out loud at garbage truck brakes. I've literally been startled by my own kid's shadow. Silly, Mom. So silly. Why did that man yell at you? My daughter asks. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for the objectification, and I'm embarrassed by my fear. I've been dealing with this for 30 years, and it doesn't change. Was it supposed to have gone away by now? Wasn't it supposed to have gone away by now? It didn't go away during my pregnancy or when I walked with a baby nestled in a wrap against my chest. It didn't magically evaporate on my 40th birthday. Shouldn't that be one of the benefits of age? Or am I buying into the ageist way of thinking that I might one day be seen by strangers as something beyond my sex appeal? I turn around and make eye contact with a cop standing outside the library. I gesture to him, like, what the hell? And he gestures back, like, what can you do? I don't know, you're just a cop and someone made me feel unsafe on the street. Never mind, I was wearing a sundress. I'm a D-cup. It's not like he touched you. It's not like he hurt you. It's not like he raped you. I'm supposed to be grateful because I wasn't raped. I'm supposed to be grateful because, even though I walk through the world with milf tits and a sundress, I wasn't raped. And I've been raped. And this is much better. So, thank you. Today I stand outside the library, the luckiest milf in Brooklyn. You still got it. It was when I was running late to my daughter's school pickup, and a man called... Slow down. I love to watch your fine-ass move. And when I ignored him, that... You don't have to be a bitch. You're not that fine. And I finally took to social media to complain. 
I've been catcalled for decades, but I felt unequal to the task of having to switch gears from being in defense mode on the street to smiling at teachers and children. I wanted to know I'm not alone because I felt humiliated and alone. My online friends were very nice. Lots of solidarity, lots of word, and I'm sorry. Some women wondered why they didn't get street, har street harassed, and they felt ambivalent about that. One man wrote, you still got it. I'm 42. I'll admit 42 is not what I thought 42 would be, but then I had given very little thought to how middle age might present itself objectively, and if I'm lucky, I've likely lived half my life, and it's been a good one for longer than I ever thought possible. I live in a city that I love, married to a man that I love. I've published a couple of books, had a couple of kids that I schlep to and from school and activities, because I'm fortunate enough to have a flexible work schedule. I get to the end of the day and I'm so fucking tired I almost can't move my body from the couch to the bed, but it's a pleasure. That kind of tired. There was no predicting my life would be this. A couple of years ago, Esquire ran a Tom Junod piece in praise of a 42 of 42 year old women reaction ran the gamut from the bbc declaring us still sexy and the new york daily news reassuring us that we can still be hot to the more sensible feminist media bristling at the premise that there used to be something tragic about the 42 year old woman because the odds that we were fuckable had long since started to tip. Important lesson. Listen. I should be honored to be objectified now that I'm 42. I should be grateful. I should have slowed down because I'm not that fine. I'm 42. I should be glad anyone finds me sexually viable. I am short, round, wear glasses. Didn't get my chipped front teeth fixed until a couple of years ago because I didn't know how to let go of what my life had been, didn't know that I deserved that. I couldn't look in the mirror for years. I have a C-section scar and a few other scars. The skin around my lower midsection is slack from two full-term pregnancies. I can hardly remember to shave in summer, and when I do, it feels like a statement of some sort. I smoked for two decades, and there are lines around my lips. I rarely wear makeup. I'm not sure, or I'm sure I'm softer than ever, if I could remember what my body was like before. I spent too long defined by how others perceived me, how it felt to others when they touched me. Now I feel so good to myself, but important lesson. Listen, my face is falling. It's all falling, isn't it? I'm 42. But wait, I still got it. I'm not a waste of a body moving through space. I can still bring the titillation wherever I go. If I would just be more amenable, more grateful, you're not hurting me, you're complimenting me. Smile and say thank you. Stop. You're talking to me. You see me. And I'm 42 years old. You want to fuck me, and I'm 42 years old. Old, old, old. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the nice things you say. I had to stop going to the corner bakery one recent summer because a man working there wouldn't stop creeping on me. Even when I was with my children, he'd give me change, my change and slide his hand slowly across mine. He'd tell me I looked sexy. He'd tell me how beautiful I am, and then he'd nod to my kids. He'd stare at me so hard that I felt like if I moved, I'd stumble. A couple of times, he followed just behind me on the sidewalk, making grunting noises. I couldn't get the courage to say, please stop, 
I know what it's like, uh, what it feels like to be held down, and I know what it feels like to be hit in the face. I know that saying please stop made it no more likely that these things would stop. I quit going to the bakery, even though their coffee is essential to my functioning as a human. So there I was in my neighborhood, altering my behavior to try and avoid being harassed. Luckily, fall semester came and he went back to study at school. Here's a partial list, just off the top of my head right now, of all the places I've dreaded, feared, or even stopped going to because I felt exposed, harassed, creeped on. The bakery, the pizza place, the deli across from work, the deli in my office building, the closer entrance to the subway, the playground with the baby swings, the playground with the frog statue, my daughter's ballet school waiting room, a poetry reading I'd just given, a poetry reading I was giving as I was giving it, walking my kids to school, picking my kids up from school, the construction site to the left of my building, the construction site to the right of my building, the airport, the train station, the zoo. A couple of years ago, I was part of a question-and-answer session involving poetry and photography when an older man in the audience thought a good question to ask was, I'm paraphrasing, why, when I look so nice and respectable and pretty and kind of hot, well, why do you write all these nasty poems with sex and violence in them? Are these about you, really? Which parts are true? The room seemed silent forever, but it was probably just a second before I said, Wow, okay. I didn't know how to respond. Ugh, because then I said, Thank you for the nice things you say, and babbled on about something that included statistics about intimate partner violence just because I know them, just because my fear of men beating me is not sexy. But, but when... But what if... I am some kind of Trojan horse of respectability. I was thrown. This panel was a major deal for me, career-wise. I was being taken seriously in a room of serious artists, and I was trying like heck to take myself seriously. And there I was being objectified in front of the entire audience. I blamed myself. If you wrote poems about the weather, if you hadn't belted your dress so tight, if you could talk more intelligently. So what if I thanked my objectifier? So what if so much of my day involves de-escalation? I'll take my lumps to avoid worse. I should be grateful that I can. I should be grateful that this is what I'm complaining about. I should be grateful that I don't currently feel fear for my life. Grateful, grateful, grateful. You'll miss it when it's gone. I was invisible for years. I was quiet, shell-shocked. I didn't want the attention, but maybe would have liked it. In fourth grade, about halfway through the school year, I accidentally went to the wrong classroom and sat there, and no one realized except me, who burned hot until the end of the day. I didn't even know which would have been better, being found out or not being found out. It was all too much. This was just before I hit puberty. By sixth grade, I was a B-cup and growing fast. It was confusing, but exhilarating, because suddenly I was seen... At home, it was something we didn't speak about, and I was afraid to ask for a bra to admit my burgeoning sexual self. So I just bounced around the school to the delight of the boys who had known me since kindergarten, a good six years before I mattered. At lunchtime, I'd go behind the cafeteria 
with one boy or another and let them fondle me in exchange for cigarettes, which I didn't smoke yet, but stored away in a box my grandmother had bought me. But let's face it, the attention was its own payment. By seventh grade, I learned to give blowjobs in exchange for wine coolers. The semen and the alcohol slid down my throat with such certainty I didn't know how to start saying no. By eighth grade, I depended on the alcohol, and by ninth grade, when I was kicked out of school for drugs, I had no doubt that the only thing I had to offer the world was my body, and the world pretty much confirmed that for a long time. Hey, sexy, why are you walking away? Come sit on my lap and tell me why you look so sad. Looking fine, mama. I was walking home from a day at the emergency room. Eventually, and not long from now, as my oldest is ten, my daughters will be publicly harassed on the street, and I will be powerless to stop it. It is very likely that we could be harassed on the same day, that we will find ourselves back in our safe, charmingly untidy apartment, still tender from the words hurled by strangers. I am incompetent, a failure. For the first time, since my oldest was a newborn, I feel unequal to the task of parenting. My daughters get fed a lot of phony girl power through books and television and clubs at school. And then they go into the schoolyard where they get their real messages. They catch ads in the subway. They overhear conversations at the diner. I take them to the Lego movie. Much admired, roundly praised, critical darling. And they watch as the main female char character is objectified throughout the entire thing. We need a break from all this empowerment. I'm standing on the corner of 22nd and 6th in Manhattan. Miss, miss. A man's voice calls to me, and I think, it can't be me. I'm no miss. And I think, what if it's me? Please leave me alone. And he taps me on the shoulder. I flinch because I flinch. And he says, I just wanted to say I like your dress. Holy crap, he just wants to say he likes my dress. It's a whole new world. At 42, still got it, milf tits. The harassment has certainly, thankfully, slowed, but it doesn't seem to want to go away altogether. And even though it happens much less frequently than it used to, I flinch and brace myself every time I leave my apartment. I wonder if, when it finally stops for good, it will be too late to relax, if the muscle memory of the harassment will keep me tense on the sidewalk forever. I try to understand when people tell me they enjoy it. When women my age say that they miss being called names or that they get a kick out of being called to so explicitly. I want to fuck your asshole. I was wearing a down coat. I like to put my cock between those titties. Ugly cunt, I'm talking to you. I know what it feels like. I know what it's like to feel invisible as a child and imagine it feels much the same as an adult. But it's a pretty sorry situation when the choice is either objectification by intimidating strangers or invisibility. Once or twice in my life, I swear to you, I've done things other than be a body available for men to enjoy or reject. But I know I have no right to complain. I am lucky. I've been allowed one more day as a woman on this earth, relatively unviolated. Shouldn't that be enough? Lucky, lucky, lucky. <laughs>